In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. I'm Sammy Fishbein. <laughs> and the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news, brought to you by your four funniest friends. Which is, Which is us. us. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, did you guys just hear me take a screenshot? <laughs> I did not. No. Okay, good. It didn't oh, come up. I was, I was <laughs> taking a screenshot. Uh, okay, we're all here today with uh, Sans Brian, uh, but today we are not talking about Trump lying for an hour and a half on ABC or Joe Biden playing Despacito into his microphone or Rochester <laughs> committing just so many crimes in his police department. Instead, the four of us today are going to have a conversation about sexism in the 2020 general election. I've wanted to talk about this. Yay, yay, yay. (laughs) The time has come. It feels kind of, and we'll get into this, but I feel like it hasn't been as present as a topic just because we haven't seen as much of the candidates, but I think that might change soon. And, you know, we all cover this as our jobs and hobbies and I've been thinking a lot about, I never want to be sexist, but I also am having personally like having trouble with the line lately. And I have a lot of questions, you know, where is the line between sexism and celebrating femininity? Is it sexist to do this or that? Is it sexist to even compliment Kamala Harris? And I have a lot of questions and I need to talk it out with you guys. Well, I'm, I'm excited because I (laughs) wake up trying (laughs) to answer all these questions as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess we'll sort of start off, um, how does the role of sexism in this election feel different than it did in 2016? There are the obvious factors where Kamala Harris is the VP nominee, and there are the factors that during the primary, we had lots of women candidates, um, which maybe impacted, maybe gave people an education they needed to avoid some of the issues with Hillary. Hillary was also a uniquely uh, charged candidate. But in a broad sense, how, how are, does the role of sexism feel different in 2020? So I think that like the first thing, obviously, you know, you've got the the different roles and extenuating circumstances. I think that there's a tremendous amount of awareness that was not present in 2016. Um, I mean, think about the the movements that we've had on on gender since in in the last like three or four years. I mean, we had the rise of the Me Too movement. Um, and for that to become not just something that Toronto Burke was working on, but something that is a broad mainstream to the point of being something that people automatically know how to talk about. Well, whether or not they know what they're actually saying, but yeah, it, it's it's there. It's it's in the conversation in a way that it wasn't. Um, where people are hyper aware of not doing to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris what was done to Hillary Clinton um, to the point where I think like sometimes it's a little bit kid gloves. Um, and 
and you're, it's going the opposite direction where there's like not even addressing like certain things that could be problems. And you also have just like, I think that finally the, the awareness of, of Trump and all that other, all the other violence that has really happened to women in the last, like, especially I would say since the virus began, domestic violence and, and a lot of these other things have become big focal points and flashpoints. Um, and yeah, and, and gender itself, we just started having a completely different cultural conversation. So it yeah. feels like drastically different. Do you agree with that, Elise? Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting to watch this campaign and kind of alternately feel like I see some lessons having been learned from uh, from 2016 and then still seeing also some of the same pitfalls. Like, it was really interesting right before Kamala was the pick to see that conversation come up about some people, whether it was true or not, but like some people in the Biden camp thinking that she was too ambitious. And I just, it was, I, I remember feeling like, I don't really feel shocked by anything anymore, but I was surprised to hear that language again and felt very like, oh my God, but I thought we, I thought we saw how dangerous like this attitude is. Well, I sort of felt, I sort of feel like, because like you said, people are more aware of it. Any sexism that remains does is sort of folded into like the structural problems that still exist in the media. Like it's not like the general composite of any sort of like the main news outlets that are considered the most credible and the most well-funded. It's not like the, the demographic makeup of those outlets has vastly changed since 2016. Like if anything, mm-hmm. maybe people are laid off. Like yeah. maybe there's fewer <laughs> people um, and there's less money going into like serious investigative journalism. And there's even more of a focus on profit and ratings. So like, I think that there maybe like the kid gloves that, that Caitlin referenced is like sort of reflective of like the shallowness with which they're able to like address this problem because Mm -hmm. there hasn't been like ultimately it just comes down to like money and like there hasn't been a fundamental change in like the profit structure of of media Mm -hmm. or like who is making driving the decisions like yeah yeah there was a certain kind of like yeah girl boss mentality behind hillary clinton in 2016 and even the years since then that i think especially this year you've seen kind of a rejection to because it does like celebrate that like capitalist like okay so you got to a place where you can mistreat people and boss everybody around (laughs) like speaking of the too ambitious comment too because i also was like really really like that specific word i feel like we have said don't do that and that's when i wonder if that's I feel like too ambitious, the, the white men that said that what they were saying is that like sh- she does not belong in, in the lane that she wants to be in. Like mm-hmm. she's too ambitious. That's not appropriate. Do you, and I don't, you know, people didn't say that about any of the white women running. So I do wonder if that is where some of the race component is coming in, where it's like there's another layer of people just perceptually feeling like she is not welcome and using language to convey that. What do you think, Sammy? I mean, I think ambitious is a gendered word, just inherently. Look, they called Hillary too ambitious. People have called Elizabeth Warren too ambitious. Amy Klobuchar has been called too ambitious. I really don't think that like anything really 
as a, I think ambit, like the, the issue with ambitious is that you are a woman who is ambitious, not that you're a person who's uh-huh. ambitious. Um, I think that that is like the ultimate in sexism. It's the new bossy basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Caitlin? Oh yeah. I mean, it, imagine if you just spent like the last like 30 years pursuing the presidency, like some, yeah. I can't remember this guy. What was it? He ran <laughs> 88 Joe. Mm, Biden, right. Joe Biden has been running for president <laughs> for 30 years. How is that not ambitious? Like, it, like it's, it, it takes this normal human impulse and frames it as this kind of like power seeking, yeah. almost like violent, dangerous. The ambition thing is supposed to say, this is dangerous. It's a threat. She's power seeking because she's power hungry and power hunger in women means abuse to men. Like yeah. It's a, a fundamental yeah. paradigm like that. And, and, then, and then more than even beyond that, like you have the reality that, um, you know, Hillary Clinton and, and other women, it should have opened this door and it should have left us with the space to like say that like, women are able to go these places but she's also a first-term senator. Like, there are some people who would frame it that way, and it happened with Obama, too, where it was like, you just showed up. So I think that there is, like, a seed of something that's like, yeah, you're a first-term senator. Maybe some people might be like, excuse? But Mm -hmm. for the most part, it's not, I don't think it's really coming from that angle. I think it's coming from, like, ambition is inherently dangerous in women. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. 
Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Talking about this also reminds me of some of the like Elizabeth Warren is a snake stuff, which is like, you know, she started getting like inundated with the snake emojis and all of those like accusations about her like playing dirty and all that stuff when I don't know, it came out of like kind of a minor he said she said skerfluffle with her and him and him and Bernie like I mean not in the sense that like what they talked about was minor but in the sense of like as far as campaign and primary dust-ups go like this wasn't the most vicious attack that has been ever levied in a primary campaign for her to be like Bernie once suggested to me that women can't run for president and so I felt like you know, there was so much that, like it was such a intense primary that I felt like for her to get so slammed for that, like yeah. she was being held to this moral standard that like I'm not sure that a male candidate would be. Well, speaking of the snake emoji, this is exactly the subject matter of Taylor Swift's song "The Man." <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is precisely. Very I true. mean, a real work of. of <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is interesting to think of framing of the word ambitious because, like, when I describe like Matt gets as ambitious, I mean it in a bad way. <laughs> so maybe in a sense, yeah, maybe the Slytherin maybe way. We'll eventually neutralize it gender wise, but well, I've it's also, also heard, a good word if you like the person and a bad word true. if you it's don't. All about perspective. Yeah, it's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Yeah. I've also heard a lot of pundits say sort of as a broad rule, um, you know, before, right when Kamala Harris was announced, uh, a group of uh, women's groups published letters and advising the media, like, here's how, what to do and what not to do. Um, and a, some of the suggestions basically boil down to, if you wouldn't say this about a man, don't say it about a woman. Um, and I have found myself trying to implement that sometimes. And it require, it would require me to sort of cut out a lot of my commentary and like things I want to say. I mean, you know, Kamala Harris is like really easy to stand. We love her. Every, I love everything she wears. I'm always tempted to make memes celebrating her femininity. But is that, what do we think about that? Is that bad? Is that sexist? Where is the line or is it maybe technically a little sexist, air quotes, but sexism that we can live with? It's sort of like the political version of the dilemma that people have in dating, like, can I be a feminist and still expect men to pay? Right. And it's kind of like the political version of that because, like, when you say celebrating femininity, I think about, you know, comments about style of certain candidates and how does their hair look and, you know, things that you would normally, like, ascribe to a celebrity commentary maybe. Yeah. Um, Or, like, red carpet. But I don't know. I... I like talking about those things. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's really... It's hard because it's like you wouldn't... The time that we spend talking about that is time that we're not talking about her policies or her substantive background, whereas we would with a man. And it's sort of... I don't know. It's like 
then I do wonder, like, it's part of the reason that, you know, Angela Merkel is taken so universally seriously is because nobody's really being like, wow, I love her outfits and she's so cool and fierce. Like, I mean, maybe in recent years, people have like started doing that with her more, but I do wonder, like, is it, does it dent the, a woman that in power's be- credibility at all? That could be a German cultural thing too, (laughs) because like, think about America. Like we, we want our presidents, our politicians to be be gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. My feeling about some of this is that it requires like more nuance than our like media tends to enjoy getting into, but I think it depends on the tone and the space and the place that it's coming from. You know, like I think if, we are having a discussion on our podcast where we do talk about Kamala's policies and stuff. And for a brief moment, we talk about like, she looked really good. That video of her coming off the plane where she's like in stride. uh, That's a fun video to watch. I think like allowing women or people who are inspired by her to like celebrate that. I don't see a harm in doing that, but I think, the place where that sentiment comes from is because we do have a standard of only talking about female politicians in this lens. And like the media does have to kind of be extra careful and maybe put ultimately a harder rule on itself than there needs to be because they've done a terrible job in the past. And like, they don't, they don't really get to, have the fun Kamala Harris outfit discussions because it's like, they've spent so much time in the past only talking about that. Yeah. And Caitlin, you, you referenced earlier that you felt like maybe that there's been an overcorrection and there's been some like playing of softball where there maybe didn't need to be. Yeah. I actually say that, um, you know, offering that kind of like, can we talk about these things? It really comes down to whether or not it's being done as an appetizer or as the main dish, you know? Like, is this, are we just getting spring rolls here or is this supposed to feed us? Is this supposed to be like our fundamental concept? And I think one of the problems with American media is that they have decided that hors d'oeuvres that have been like microwaved at like 7 p.m. is like equivalent to an actual meal. Yeah. I'm just like, no, that is not only that, not an app. not. You know, like that's not meaningful information that we need. So. Going it's junk food, yeah. Where like it's just not well organized at all in terms of like how we think about information. And I also think the other problem is that too often those discussions hurt women. Yeah. It's not it's even taken from the angle of she's doing something wrong. She's insufficient in some way. Oh, she's or for like AOC who has a lot of, who's definitely leaned really heavily into the social media presence and, and the, the standing and, and a lot of the things that come along with like more modern celebrity culture. Um, and it's, it's made her more effective because she's so big. But at the same mm-hmm. time, there's a, too much focus on her being, it, it casts her as shallow which shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be hurting her. She's able to be a fully-fledged human being who has things that she likes. She likes fashion. She likes clothing. She likes being put together. These are things, but it shouldn't hurt other women. You know? I wonder, I wonder what you think about the sort of... I think when we talk about Kamala and AOC and... There's, it's through this... The re, part of the standing comes from like a certain amount of like... I don't know, charisma, chicness, 
Like there's a certain, we want to look like them. How do you think that plays into sexism in the sense that like, does someone need to be conventionally attractive and thin and in order to be able to like achieve that level of standship, I guess, is like, I wonder if that also plays a role. Yeah. That worries me. Yeah. I guess that's sort of what I was thinking about. It's like the opposite sort of concern or contrast I was making about Angela Merkel before, which is like, is she, maybe do people take her more seriously because she doesn't necessarily have the, a standum and like, a, I feel weird saying that because she totally does now, but like she's, she's literally been in that job for 15 years. So I'm thinking about like more early. I'm sure there are other world leaders. Like, does that mean people take her more seriously? But you're right, Sammy. It's like these, there still haven't been a lot of women in these positions. So by attaching too much celebration to certain parts of their identity, it's like, are we then leaving out, you know, future it's like we're making it seem like, okay, in order to aspire to that role, you also have to be like a social media star who has amazing tailored blush suits, who happens to care a lot about those things. And I think that could that, – that makes me a little nervous. I think- right, because ultimately those things are values that come from the patriarchy, whether right. or not well, – but they also sort of come from like natural human attraction. But I don't know. Go ahead, Caitlin. <laughs> I was going to say, the person who bucks this trend for me is Katie Porter. I think that she is so fantastic yeah. and wonderful, but she also feels extremely normal. Yeah. Like, extremely. And I say that as the best compliment I could possibly pay a congressperson, which is, you feel like a normal person that just made a decision that you want to represent human beings. And now I'm like, wow, I'm a normal person. Could I do this thing? Yeah. I'm just a normal person. So she's a normal person. I mean, she's a badass normal person, but she's a normal person. And I think like, you know, like I can't necessarily aspire to like AOC. Um, I don't know if that's like uh, the I energy. Could? Why not? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't agree like, that you mm, can. Looks on fleek. Although I'm down with the sweatpants existence that we've been having last few months. Um, yeah. <laughs> you could pull it off. Just my justice, Democrats. You heard it here first. Yeah, (laughs) I could see. I could honestly see you wearing like a white caped jumpsuit. Like I think, I think you could do it. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, election day outfits. (laughs) Yep. Now we all got to wear white for election day. Yeah. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So let's talk about how we apply this to sort of women who are not Democrats, because those women exist still. Um, I was, because I've been thinking a lot about this and trying to do everything right, I was not really picking on like too many of the Republican women at the beginning of the convention, but then I saw everybody was doing it and nobody had any problem, we did it on SUP too, making what I would think are somewhat gendered jokes and memes about, for instance, like Kimberly Guilfoyle. I mean, what she did would have been insane if it was like a man, but we wouldn't have compared her to like (laughs) Ursula. I guess we would have compared that guy to somebody else. But 
Do you think that especially maybe, you know, like Democrats on Twitter or just people who are involved in punditry, do you think that we sort of apply a lesser standard when we're talking about women who's, who we don't take seriously or whose perspectives we think are wrong? Of course we do because we're like operating from our like primitive brain, like because we hate them. Like it's like, it's like the, just the sort of natural result of like an us versus them mentality. Like we're not going to give them as much a benefit of the doubt and we're going to go all in for like the Ursula attack. Yeah. Frankly, I mean, (laughs) I can't even with Kimberly Guilfoyle, but just to pivot this slightly, Kimberly (laughs) Guilfoyle's ex-husband brings up an sort of an interesting dynamic too, because think about how many people comment about Gavin Newsom's looks. And yeah. like kind of glorify him. Is that like, is that evidence that we sort of do it to everybody or? Yeah, it is a weird instinct, but I think, yeah, it has the less like potentially disqualified because it's like men are the assumed people in power. So it's just sort of like, it's like, a, it's like, it's like a, if it's not even like the appetizer or the main course, it's just like, it's like a cheese plate that they give when you've already left because you're full, you're fine. You have everything you need. Right, it's on the house. Exactly. It also, I think, has a lot to do, like Kimberly Guilfoyle and the whole uh, the whole situation has a lot to do with the fact that women who, who actively embrace patriarchy, to some degree, you feel a little bit less bad about attacking them with, like, you're kind of like, you made your bed, now you got to live with it. Like, this is, this is the choice that you made. And yeah. since you're agreeing to these structures, you can't argue that you should be free from them. Now, we're arguing that everyone should be free from the structures, but you're actively buying in. It's like not making fun of Phyllis Lafley. Like, why would you do that? Why would yeah. you ever, like, honor <laughs> the memory of Phyllis Lafley? Like, she was a, I mean, like, what a bad bitch. Stuff, but, like, come on. Are you serious? <laughs> no. Caitlin, no. I thank you for rationalizing my lizard brain explanation with like actual, yeah. like with like logic. <laughs> because we hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, the hate comes first and then the, the it, it's the, not like they did nothing. Up. Then we build a case. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, at least we can admit it. Okay. We can own it, Lisa Renna. <laughs> I also, I feel like sometimes it's like, the liberal value isn't never say anything mean about a woman. Sure. It's like, don't <laughs> me. That's in the democratic platform. <laughs> Which, you know what? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, don't attack a woman for something you wouldn't attack a man for. Yeah, I don't think we would call a man Ursula, but if a man went and made a crazy screaming speech, we would maybe be like, oh my God, he's Jafar. Exactly. Or he, he, like, it's, the, the value isn't like, okay, you can never make fun of any woman ever. It's like, don't make fun of her because you think that she sleeps around or something. You know what? Like, don't yeah. make fun of her for those reasons. Right, right. And you could also make a case that, like, it's sexist not to, because why would we apply a lesser standard to a Kimberly Guilfoyle than a Don Jr.? Like, not going to yeah. put on kid gloves for her. Yeah. On that note, um, I want to talk a little bit about gender essentialism. And I said when we were sort of discussing doing this podcast that, like, this is not like a correct perspective, but I, I think women are better. So I, (laughs) I mean, it is a correct perspective, but like, I I think women are better and that's why I expect us to be better. And I expect more from women and therefore my reactions can probably, that is a sexist concept, isn't it? I mean, 
to expect more from women and apply a higher standard. I'm not saying we all should do that. I'm saying that's just sort of how I operate when I react to things. I'm like, really, bitch? Really? Like, come on. <laughs> Like, because they're, they're playing into patriarchy and they're just being complicit to maintain their proximity to power and they should, they should know better. Um, so this applies in that sense. But also, you know, especially during the coronavirus pandemic, you heard things like, well, women leaders are, are doing this way better. And then you have, you know, things that are attached that's like, well, because women are more this, because women are more that. Do you think it's a positive, it's a good thing or a bad thing to sort of ascri ascribe positive characteristics to women leaders and then expect them to always fulfill them. Sammy, you want to start? So I think what you asked is that is a bad thing to have higher expectations of women because like, first of all, do you think men agree that women are better? Right. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they do. So men wouldn't say that women are better, but I actually think that women's strengths come from the decades, centuries of essentially being the weaker physically gender. Because we are the weaker gender, we've been forced to sort of gain other strengths, which I think are good at, you know, women are very good at multitasking, at, you know, getting like many things, handling many things done. Like you see Jacinda Ardern, who's like pregnant and handling like has a baby and is handling the coronavirus. I think women are good at handling crisis. I think that some of, I think that just sort of like the position we've been put in, which is kind of to take everything on and even women, especially more in like the modern age, like the second, the whole concept of the second shift, which is that like even working women are still responsible for most household duties. I think that that has like strengthened, like played to our strengths, which makes us capable of being good leaders, being more tactful, more diplomatic. You know, you saw how Brett Kavanaugh acted at his, yeah. uh, his confirmation hearing, like that's what happens when you're constantly validated for being better, no matter what your actions are. Like someone like RBG who made it through like law school being like the only woman not allowed to even use like the freaking library, like after certain hours, like that builds you in a way that if you got there, like you're really fucking badass. <laughs> I think, um, I like, that's like such a, a, perfect like opening into the concept of like the gender essentialism because I don't know if I would put it down to essentialism as much as the likelihood of lived experience right like going through uh -huh. life as an oppressed person you're just going to hit certain obstacles and have to navigate them and the more often you're asked to navigate certain obstacles the better you get at it I don't know if I'd say like women like I, yeah. I mean you could just like if there's another future and alternate dimension where like there's gender equality, I don't think women would necessarily be better at any of those things yeah. than right. men. But it comes down to the fact that like we're forced to live through the world this way. So we end up having and taking on certain things. And I think that like, that's why I wouldn't say it's gender essential because I think about lots of people who are trans and non-binary who also have to deal with certain obstacles that constantly get in their way when they've developed certain systems to be able to navigate those and it has nothing to do with what gender they were assigned at birth. It has everything to do with how they've been forced to navigate the world. And so they've picked up certain skill sets. And so have we like, that's, it's the nature of like going through the world as an oppressed person. I immediately heard like that and was like, Oh yeah, it's like black people twice as hard, half as much. Mm -hmm. Like we, that's just a saying that we've all had for ages because that's just how the world's going to treat us. 
That makes sense. So is it sexist? I think I know everyone's answer, but is it sexist to expect more from women than we do from men? Yeah, because we've already uh, had to face more to even get to a point where our, the expectations might be equal. Right, right. For a final question, I'm wondering, like I said, I feel like we haven't maybe seen, although I had had already forgotten about the too ambitious thing until Elise brought it up, but I feel like we haven't necessarily seen as much of it because Kamala Harris hasn't necessarily been as visible because of the pandemic, but it looks like she's starting to travel more and starting to interact with more people and literally just being more, more visible. But up until this point, you know, have you noticed any instances of sexism that maybe the media didn't pick up that were subtle that stuck out to you and made you sort of flinch? Well, sexism a little bit more in the absence of things, actually, where where things are not addressed. It continues to rankle me really deeply that Joe Biden is basically using almost the exact same playbook structurally that Hillary Clinton did, but he's Mm -hmm. giving like tons of credit, like reach out to Republicans, argue about uniting the country, talk about your personal values, like the... There's nothing strategically messaging-wise that is any different point to how big a threat Trump is. Like, it just sits with me, and I'm just like, we ran this campaign, and the only difference is that we've got a more conservative white guy running it, and everyone's like, this is a genius. And I'm like, that's kind of, it bothers, that's the most sexist thing that I've experienced this year, which is like, we're just not going to acknowledge what ha- what you guys did to the first woman who ran for president. We're just not going to acknowledge the ways in which you ignored the female candidates on their in the run up to the primaries, like Elizabeth Warren had a two month blackout mm-hmm. from media coverage from like December through January, where mysteriously they, she stopped being included in polls. They stopped doing her name. They gave all their focus to Michael Bloomberg. I was there being like, "Did I miss something? Right. Is she not like? Wasn't she third just a second ago? Wasn't she second? Just a second ago, why did she, we stop talking about her? Yeah, you completely covered it. It's more about like what isn't being said necessarily than what is being said because I think at least the one thing the media learned is that like if they do say something wrong, they're going to step in shit. Mm-hmm. And so they, if anything, it's like a shying away. It's that they just haven't structurally changed is really the problem. And that's going to take longer than like one election cycle. Yeah, and I'd like to point out that we had a bunch of actual sexual predators doing a huge chunk of the reporting last cycle. Like Matt Lauer, Charlie mm-hmm. Rose. These are names that now are like, oh, that guy who had a rape door. Um, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and then we, there's absolutely zero inspection of how that shaped our narrative at all, other than to say, oh, they're gone now. That's enough. Like, that's not the same thing as making coverage not sexist. Just to be clear, getting rid of sexual predators is is the the basement level. Right. <laughs> making right. your coverage gender equal. Yeah. yeah so yeah. perhaps we have seen an improvement. It's just incremental. Very incremental. Step one, really? no rape doors <laughs> yeah. or rapists. Thank you guys so much. It's been such a great conversation. Uh, until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And this has been the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. 
Betches.